Hey everybody, this is Nubia. And I'm Francis. We are your dynamic duo of Chronicles Abroad. As always, our goal is to inspire you to travel with passion and purpose. Now let's get on with the show. Welcome to Chronicles Abroad. It's a podcast show that uses travel to highlight stories of personal growth. So each week we'll spotlight the stories of courageous world travelers, creative wanderers, and digital nomads who share their incredible experiences of the world through their eyes. If you like traveling, this is what you need. So tune in. Welcome back to Chronicles Abroad. My name is Francis, And I'm Nubia. Today, we're going to be talking a little bit about Nubia and some of the things that she's been able to create since being almost a year and a half, almost two years in Mexico. Uh, Nubia is involved in a lot of amazing and beautiful things surrounding community and community building. And so we're going to dive a little bit deep into that, mainly because what we're finding is that a lot of people are really nervous about when they move abroad or travel, whether or not they're going to find community. And Nubia exemplifies that it is absolutely possible, whether you become part of one or whether you create one. Uh, So we're going to talk a little bit about Black and Tulum. We're going to talk about Relaxit. All of it's on the table. Everybody knows I'm in full transparency with everything that I do. So Okay. Let's go a little bit back. Why is community like so important to you? Because it's something that you did even before moving abroad, holding events, gathering people together. What kind of satisfaction does that bring you? You know, when I left the States, I ended up losing a lot of what I thought was friendships, right? I was shedding. I was becoming into my new self. And it was painful because I kept feeling like I had this community in the States. But come to find out, a lot of it was more superficial, right? But at the time, I didn't think like that. I was just like, why Why am I not able to keep friends and nobody's checking for me while I'm here? I am in Thailand by myself and I'm just not keeping the same level of relationship. Granted, I'm tw- I was 12 hours time difference ahead of people, but I'm a firm believer if something is important to you, you'll make it happen. I just wasn't feeling good about it. And then I stumbled upon, I'll say, a community of people of color in Thailand. And that opened my eyes to a whole new sense of what community looked like. We had a lot more in common. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't about the superficial, like, what do you do? It's like, what made you leave? <laughs> How long have you been gone? And we were able to relate to one another's stories. So community became a lot. It looked different to me after a while. And what I realized was no matter what country I was in, I was able to find community. It's not that like I sought it out or was looking for it, you know, specifically. I realized a simple smile, a simple hello went a long way. Meeting one person led to meeting two new people. And then that led to meeting a whole slew of people. And each one of those people had something that was unique about them that drew me to them, right? Like it was crazy. It was like, divine intervention in a way. And I would always say the universe would have those people cross my paths when it's meant to be, right? What I realized throughout this journey of meeting people was I'm a connector. 
And I had to learn what my purpose was. Once I learned that my purpose was connecting the dots or connecting people, I realized that's why I kept running into community because I was directly or indirectly connecting people and they were supposed to meet. I was just a catalyst. Does that make sense? No, it makes perfect sense because I was going to say that because beforehand you're like, you know, all these people disappeared. And I believe that relationships are sometimes seasonal. It serves its purpose for where you are in life at the current moment. But now you're at a state where like it's okay to connect and it's okay to you know walk away from that not like walk away you don't want to be a part of it but walk away like okay that that was it that was why i was here to do what i do but i would say it's it's easy for you it's not something that you have to really work hard at you're a very friendly person you like to reach out to folks whether you know they smile back or not you still do it and that's fairly consistent in your demeanor whereas for some other folks it might be a little bit harder but tell us a little bit about why you started Black into Lum, why was that important? And what are some of the things that you've done so far? Oh, man. Well, <laughs> Black into Loom actually started by accident. I'll just be honest with you. So for those who know my story and have been following my journey, I lived in Tulum last year temporarily. I went there on vacation. I actually left Mexico City and came to Playa del Carmen for like a 10-day vacation. And while I was in Playa, I was like, I want to check out this place called Tulum. So I was supposed to only be in Tulum like three or four days and I ended up staying over a month. The opportunities just presented themselves at the gate, at the jump. Like my first night there, I was offered an opportunity to live in a hostel and and I just did what I do, do best. I worked the room and asked people, you know, where are you from? What do you do? You know, <laughs> that kind of thing. And I got to stay for free. That was my first time around. So this time around, I had lived in Playa del Carmen for a little while and ended up getting quarantined there. I was supposed to go back to Chiang Mai and COVID happened. So I never like to use the term I'm, I'm stuck, right? But I got quarantined in Playa del Carmen. So when the quarantine restrictions started to lift in the city, I was like, oh my God, I've been in the house forever. <laughs> I just- That must have been dose. hard for you because I you're <laughs> uber extrovert. So <laughs> I know you're probably like, Flying at the walls. I wasn't actually. I actually wasn't. It was like. I embraced it completely. It was probably one of the best times, and I hate to say this out loud, but it was one of the best times I probably had in a long time. And I say that because I am such a mover. I move, I move, I move, I move, I move. I was forced to have to sit still. And I didn't realize how much my mind, body, and soul needed it. Because during that time that I sat still, I created Nubia Nibbles, my digital cookbook. I was able to get back to what I enjoyed doing, which was cooking. I was able to start working out and exercising. I started, you know, really paying attention and journaling my thoughts. I was just doing a lot of things that I wasn't doing before because I was always on the go, 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 go. Back to the whole Tulum situation. So once the the floodgates opened up for us in Playa and it was like, you're free to kind of move about, I hauled ass to Tulum just for nature. You know, I just want to be back around greenery and, and quiet of like the serene landscape and everything. So I came down here and it was just beautiful. And then I started telling people, oh, come to Tulum, come hang out. We're taking pictures. We're hanging out, those kind of things. And what ended up happening was through taking photos and social media, people like, oh my God, Mexico is looking great. And everybody's shutting their borders down to Americans. Mexico ended up becoming the, the place for Americans to go to get away. And then it was like, 
people were coming to Tulum for whatever reason. And I don't know what the allure of Tulum was at the time because it's been here. It's been here. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But people were like, oh my God, I want to come to Tulum. There was another group that had actually was open. It was, I think it was, I don't know what it was called. But anyway, I was in that group and it was about Tulum. And I was like, you know what? I really want to add value to this group. I have some ideas. I want to be an admin, right? Well, the owner of the group, God bless her soul, (laughs) ignored me. Okay, y'all, she ignored me. She ignored my request to be an admin. I don't know what she thought, but anywho, I hosted a brunch and she was all in my inbox. Oh, take pictures. Make sure you post it in the group. Oh my gosh, this is going to be great. I can't make the brunch, but make sure you post pictures, post pictures, post pictures. And I'm just like, but you're ignoring my request to be an admin. I'm going to do my own stuff. You know me enough, Francis, to know that I'm quick to want to collaborate with people. But I kept hearing my mentor and business coach, Claire, Claire Soares from Up in the Air Life, say to me, Nubia, stop partnering up with people and do your own thing. You're strong enough. You're a badass. You can do it. You know what I mean? I hosted my first brunch. Eight people showed up. I thought that was successful. That's awesome. And I said, I want to do it again. I'm going to do another brunch two weeks later. 25 people showed up. Wow. Everybody was like loving it. Oh my God, Nubia, this is great. All these black people. Now it's 25 of us. Okay. Now there's about a thousand of us, but you know, 25 people in one place, people of color. And they're just like, I love this Nubia, you know? And I was just like, okay, if I create a group, will you guys support me? They were like, hell yeah. So that night I created Black Me Tool. We started with 25 people. I am now at 1700 people. It grew really, really fast. Yes. 1,700 people. I have six moderators, one photographer, one social media manager. It's like, it's a whole business at this point. And it was not meant to be like, it was just supposed to be something to link us all up for brunch. And it has grown exponentially. But you gotta, you gotta understand, you said it wasn't supposed to be like that, but you have to understand that Nubia is a power manifester. So whatever she touches, it multiplies. I appreciate you. No, it's true, right? You just go in and it's just like, Bam, and most of the time it turns into gold without Thank you. much effort usually. I mean, there's a lot of work, but oh, it's, yeah. it, it's what you do, like I said, comes very natural to you. Yeah, so it's effortless, when, yeah. Yeah, so I feel like, and this speaks to working in your zone of genius. Like when you work in your zone of genius, your zone of genius is like networking, connecting with people, putting events together, making sure people are having a great time. When you step into that zone of genius, shit just takes off. Yeah, because you're passionate about it. When you're driven by your passion and, you know, it's, it's a different story. I'm not driven by money. And I keep telling, you know, I'm so thankful. I just had a, a Black and Tulum admin meeting and I was just so thankful for the people who moderate the group because they do that on their own time. There's no way I could literally assist everybody in the group asking all these questions and wanting to know this. My moderators jump in and they really do help out and they point people to the right resources and they just been in instrumental in the growth of the group. So it's not just a Nubia thing. It is definitely a collective. Like what you hear so far? Make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button now. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. We thank you for your support. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. Now back to the show. Yeah. And it shows that people are really driven by the mission and really want to be a part of that. Yeah. 
that also goes to our pillars though, mm -hmm. right? Our pillars are to educate, to empower, and to ex we use those pillars throughout Chronicles Abroad. I continue to use those pillars against all of the platforms that I'm in. So as long as it's the same and we're providing a resource and we're educating people and we're helping them to explore different options, I'm happy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it comes full circle. I think when you live from your values, um, it really makes the work a lot easier to navigate. <laughs> really. Sure. But I'm going to flip the script a little bit because when you said, you know, you, you can't manage it all, you know, it takes a, a village to raise a lot of these businesses and to make them successful. Um, but you had mentioned like, you know, you get a lot of questions, like you get pulled left, right, sideways, <laughs> 360. And, yeah. um, and I want to talk a little bit about that because I think it's worth talking about mm -hmm. and it's worth talking about because the work that you and I do takes a lot of energy. It's very intentional and it's impactful. And we want to provide as much as we can support services, opportunities to people. But I'm finding that from just having conversations with you is that for some folks, there can be a lack of courtesy in that. Can you speak a little bit to that and how that has made you feel and how you've been able to navigate it? Oh, man. Yeah. And I don't think it's intentional for a lot of people. I don't no. think they realize it. No. And this is just me prefacing to everybody when it comes down to having somebody that is considered an expert in whatever that subject matter is, be mindful when asking them questions because you're probably not the only person asking questions. So what ends up happening is that my inbox gets flooded day to day, all day long with random questions. And it could be, you know, just how do I, how do I get here? You know, what do you use for this? It could be random to a hundred questions. I mean, in one sitting, I've had it all. Now, my issue with people asking questions, because I don't have a problem with people asking questions, but the issue that I have is when you show up in my inbox there's no hello. There's no no type of greeting to say, hey, girl, hey, how you doing? I, you know, seen you on X, Y, and Z, or I love what you're doing. Some kind of acknowledgement to say that, you know, you've done your kind of research or due diligence before you reached out, number one. Two, maybe even asking, you know, is there a link do you have to offer a fee or whatever? Because the same time as money, it's true. Like I used to answer everybody in my inbox because I felt an obligation to do so. But what was happening was I found myself spending hours in the inboxes, right? Because they're messaging me on Facebook. They're messaging me on Instagram. I'm getting emails in my DM, you know, me in my inbox. And, you know, it's just all of those platforms. And I always felt like, oh, let me get back to this person because I never wanted to upset somebody or, or make them feel like I'm too big to answer their question, right? <laughs> Because I've been there. I've totally been there. And I was that person at one point that wanted answers and just was like, hi, my name is Nubia. You know, I just got a quick question. But it's never a quick question. It's never a quick question because once you ask one and I answer it, then here comes the, the barrage floodgates of other open, questions. Yeah. The floodgates open up because I allowed it. So I was getting a ton of just, I felt like um, not courteous, kind of rude, like send me information for X, Y, and Z, excuse me. And, and then I would start getting like, who do you think you are demanding me to do something that I don't even know who you are? Like, get out my inbox. 
<laughs> and that's just not who I am. I'm a very friendly person. I love to answer people's questions, um, but I had to set boundaries. So over the last few months, and I, you know, I'm sorry for anybody who's watching this that maybe have reached out and I haven't responded or I responded in a very general sense because I had to actually write like scripted. What are they called, Francis? Quick replies. Yeah, mm-hmm. quick replies. I had to write scripted quick replies because I was getting a lot of the same stuff. So it's just like, hey, thank you for reaching out. You know, this is where you can find the resource. You get what I'm saying? And it just makes it a lot easier for me because mentally it was making me feel like shit. It doesn't feel good to always think that somebody just wants and wants to take from you and take from you and take from you and take from you. And it was never a situation where people are seriously like, hey, girl, how are you? You know what I mean? I'm enjoying the content or thank you for being a resource. It was just like, hey. I need this. I'll be in, you know, now it's, I'll be in Tulum in October. I need ex- accommodations. Okay. Are you going to pay for me to create your itinerary? I mean, like, come like, on, you know people. Come on. You just have to be mindful of how you ask for information. And most times these are people that never once said hello to me before. So why do you think that I would want to actually help you out now without you really coming at me respectfully? You know what I mean? And it's really no shade, but like my angel says, teach people how to treat you. And you have to teach people how to treat you. I mean, people do the same thing to me and they want full counseling services in my DMs. And I'm like... First of all, that's not how it works, but um, all the time, like, you know, oh, I'm, I'm experiencing this and da, da, da. And depending who it is, you know, I may have that conversation uh, briefly with them. It's just, that's just not okay. Um, you know what I mean? It's yeah, like, I've never it, been, I've never <laughs> been the kind of person that likes to, you know, hit people off of my payment link. Like, I just know what but I mean, you know. Yeah, you I know. Because I used to, I used to be like, Nuba, you need to stop doing this and start charging for your time. Because when you, mm-hmm. when your time doesn't just one day fall on your lap. Your skill sets, I mean, your, your expertise doesn't just fall on your lap. You build that up. Constant yeah. hours, research, putting yourself out there first, experiencing it firsthand, you know, making all the mistakes. Mm-hmm. You're basically shortening, <laughs> you're shortening the learning curve for a lot of people. And that's priceless. Yeah. People pay oh, for yeah. that, the convenience. Yeah, you've and, been you telling know, me that for years, Francis, and years. I'm still, I'm just now learning. We're working through it, you know what I mean? We're working through it, and, you know, just like me, I went to grad school for this, you know what I mean? Like, I'm paying a student loan, though, you know? So, <laughs> um, you know, no shade, but just be respectful. Um, I'm a big fan of kindness. You know, just one simple sentence goes a long way, okay? So just keep that in mind. Exactly. Um, so you've held brunches. What other things have you done with Black and Tulum? Oh man, Black and Tulum is just one piece of the puzzle, right? So with Black and Tulum specifically, it started with the brunches and then we started doing welcome happy hours, um, beach club days. Now I'm moving into, yeah. They're fun. (laughs) (laughs) Now I'm into actually providing tours, Mm -hmm. cenotes and to some of the best of the sites in Tulum, because I'm constantly getting people who are like, where's that statue of whatever and that and that picture and this, that, and the other. So I'm just going to start putting or have been starting to put these things together where we're actually just taking you to those places. You get what I mean? Mm -hmm. And we have like now a resident photographer. Make a long story short to sum it up. You know how Airbnb has Airbnb experiences? Yeah. 
well, Black and Tulum has now Black and Tulum experiences. We're offering and providing services, products for our members to be able to get all of this stuff right then and there. You want a private chef, you can book it through Black and Tulum. You want a, you know, a massage, your nails done, your eyebrows and your lashes done, we got you. You know what I'm saying? We have a ton of vendors and people that we work with that we can go ahead and provide and set up those services for you. So Sounds like a membership site, right? Like- <laughs> don't start don't another start. thing on your plate all right so you got black into long let me tell y'all nubia's busy ass okay she's busy 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 yeah. busy and then now you created black sit what is black yes black sit is amazing well, Blacksit has been around for a while. If anybody understands the concept of Blacksit, it actually happened. Um, I believe the woman was from the UK and or France, one or the other, and she moved to the Gambia. And that is how Blacksit began. She started a movement called Blacksit, which is pretty much Blacks exiting at <laughs> stage left to Africa specifically. But in this day and age, we just want y'all to get out of America. <laughs> So Faye Tillery was actually the person that created Blacksit and she created the group in Facebook. And again, me being my normal self, it was probably like 10 days into the group. I seen the potential from the gate and I was like, Faye, I want to work with you on this. And she was like, girl, let's do it. So I became a co-founder and um, that group is now four months old and we have almost 4,000 people in the group. So Blacksit, yes, bananas. And we we call it Blacksit tribe as a family. It's no, I know some people have an issue with people using the word tribe, but somebody else created another Blacksit group. And then there was another Black, like if you look under Blacksit, there's like eight Blacksit groups. So we just had to be separate in some way. And even with that, let's just say that being who I am, I have reached out to people who have other Blacksit groups to try to coordinate and put them all together, but they have their own agendas. This is why Facebook has a hundred million thousand different group for no reason when we're all doing the same thing, but for whatever reason, people want to do their own thing. But anywho, back to business. So <laughs> that's, a, that's another podcast that's, conversation, child. Mm, I'm going to sip my drink on that one. But with that said, Blacksit has grown again expeditiously. Faye and I are just working hard to provide resources for people. So we hold lives in our group pretty much once a week and we switch off. I'll do a live called In Full Transparency and I typically will do it around a region. So we did um, In Full Transparency Mexico, In Full Transparency being like a digital nomad, In Full Transparency how to how to save to move abroad. Yeah, we did that. So I've done a couple of lives with people who are experts in their industry that can help the people in the Black Sick group. I stream all my lives directly into the Black Sick group. And if you're not in the group, you, you don't have access to the replays. Faye does a lot of panels. She loves panels. So she did a remote work panel and she does a, she did a couple of other panels. So we actually provide like real live, like we're talking to you. We do Q&As once so a month. So in real life. In real life type shit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is not just, you know, comment post mm-hmm. comment post we house a live with newbie and Faye every single month at the end of the month where we do a Q&A and we have people join in and we answer your questions right then and there on the spot Faye has been living abroad for a number of years she's currently living in Kenya and I am obviously living in Mexico we both have had a sense of living in Colombia I've lived in Thailand she's lived in other regions so we have a collective of maybe about 60 countries between us. We've lived in probably about six to eight countries between us. And we have a lot of knowledge base. So we just put our heads together, man. And it is like magic. Beautiful. 
Beautiful. So all these resources, all these opportunities for black folks. I love it. Yeah. I mean, you know, when you think about like how um, out of reach travel scene for a lot of people of color, specifically black folks, you see that now it's like, it's reachable, it's possible, it's accessible. Yeah. And I think that is so important, especially in the climate that we're in, that we have access to these opportunities as much as our counterparts. Chronicles Abroad is not a primarily mm. black anything, right? Yeah. Like Francis and I are black women and that's fine. You know what I'm saying? But our audience is a definitely mix of everyone. And we yeah. love that men, women, and it doesn't matter your color. Mm. The reason why I've been extremely focused on black Americans is because they are killing us mm. at alarming numbers in America. And it hurts my heart. It is like, I feel a profound duty, right? To bring abundance into everyone's life in some way, shape, or form. And if I could do that by helping you exit a place that is killing you, I'm going to do that. I call myself like a modern day Harriet Tubman. Seriously. Like if I can provide a resource for you to make a better decision to get out of a volatile situation, that's what I'm going to do. So I've been very much involved and that's my way of being involved in the Black Lives Matter. You know, from afar, from a distance, people think, you know, that I'm not affected by it. I spent nights crying after looking at, you know, media coverage or hearing about another friggin' black man being shot in his back or being shot down or hunted or whatever. And it hurts. It hurts so much. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not possible to not be affected, even if like just watching it, hearing about it as black people were affected. You know, it doesn't have and I'm to a be, mother of a right. young black boy exactly. and a young black woman. So it's my duty to do something. And if the only thing I can do is to teach somebody else how to live a more prosperous and fulfilling life somewhere else where their their safety is, you know, the number one, you know, concern, then that's what I'm going to do. I'm yeah. going to help them get to where they need to be and be safe. So that's what I do. I've also gotten backlash from some of my, you know, followers that were white who felt like I did this complete turn. Of did you? And, yeah. Did you know, really? Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, I was I was Bye. told I was told thank you for sharing all of this information and, and your wealth of knowledge and and all of this up to this point. But you're becoming pretty much exclusory, like you're excluding a whole race of people. And it's not that I'm excluding. I still share my information willingly on my my personal social media page and everything else. But during this uprising and during this time, I need to focus on really helping my people as well as any. I mean, I'm, I'm always here to help listen, people. Listen, you don't need to explain yourself. Let me tell you something, because now I'm getting fired up. (laughs) You know, I'm a social worker at my quarter to core. Social justice is my value. So we, BIPOC, need our own spaces. Understand that. Because we cannot process our race-based trauma with white people, period. We cannot. It is not possible. I don't care how many books you've read. I don't care how many research papers you've read, how many Black friends you have. We cannot process that. And if you read... Resma Mannequin's book, I think it's called My Grandmother's Hands or something like that. It's still on my wish list to read, but he did a whole podcast about how mm-hmm. DEI work needs to be done separately and then be done together. Because both white people need their safe space to kind of process their own generational trauma from uh, their ancestors, hate and rage. And we need to process that. And then we come together. Yeah. So 
understand that it has nothing to do with you and everything to do with I mean, I'm not doing you know anything I mean? unapologetically. Yeah, I, just I know. I'm just, I just want to make yeah. that clear. And this is the same reason why I hold the BIPOC support group. Because yeah. Black people who are most like, a lot of these folks who are still in the industry working, they're Black and they're working alone because there isn't enough inclusivity. So if you're the only one and always the only one, how are you managing the day-to-day microaggressions? Period. Yeah. So... And for me, like starting the Black in Tulum was really a sense of bringing diversity to Mexico. I mean, Mexico is full of people of color, obviously, as Mexicans are people of color. But truth be told, the Mexican government hasn't even, they just started only about four or five years ago, including Afro-Mexicans into the census. So it just goes to show you that there's so much growth to be done in so many places. The same way when we lived in Thailand, Francis, a lot of people seen our, you know, photos and seen our coverage, like, oh my God, is that mean Black people in Thailand? Like, it's just really showing these countries that we're here. We do travel. We yeah. do. We spend our money just like the rest of them. You know what I'm saying? The difference is we're not trying to take your shit. We're yeah. not trying to take your yeah. land. We're, we're trying, trying to, to share it. Enjoy and yeah. share. Exactly. Black and Tulum for me is to really show the tourism board in Mexico, like black people are here and we love your country. We need a safe place to be. We don't believe the shit that Trump is saying about Mexico being X, Y, and Z and this, that, and the other. We don't see it like that. We see this as a beautiful respite, as a place of abundance, as a place of healing. We love your people. We love the food. We love the the, the language. And we're here to be a part of that. You know what I mean? Yeah. We're spending our money here. We're hiring your workers. We're doing mm-hmm. all these things. And I want to show that, you know, in a really positive light. And don't get me wrong. There's been a lot of people trying to join the group that's like, Tulum is the new Miami. It's not. These are <laughs> young not. people. These are young people really just trying to break free and, and live freely. And that's fine. That's a-okay. But believe me, I'm the first person to be like, stop. This place is very, it's a jungle. We need to love it. We need to take care of it. We need, you yeah. know, sustainable you tourism. Conscious traveler. Conscious traveler. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I love to learn. You can and, have um, fun. Yeah. You have fun, but it's really a very serene place. It's, mm-hmm. this has a lot of serene properties around it. It's not your, um, what you call it? What's that place in Brazil? All the Ibiza. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, and certain countries are definitely yeah. that. And Cancun was one of them. Cancun yeah. was like the hot spot. So I just try to tell people, because I've heard a lot of people be like, oh, there's nothing to do after 10. You're damn right, because everything shuts down. <laughs> <laughs> go home. Go oh. sleep. Go night-night, as you go said. <laughs> All right, so you've built this amazing community. And we talked about this a little bit. You still don't feel planted. No. I so don't. what's that about? I don't know, Francis. You tell me. You the one that's always you the one that's always telling that's me. I'm gonna have to send you my PayPal link then. Oh y'all you say I'll see this. I, I probably got like three years worth of invoices. Um Yeah, what's that about? I I am a true nomad to every sense of the word. So people say, oh yeah, I want to live this expat life. And an expat and a nomad are very different in a way that a nomad wanders. You know, if you look up the definition of a nomad, it actually is very much coincides with the word gypsy or um, wanderer. An expat literally moves from one place into another, a new country and settles pretty much. A nomad doesn't. I can only settle but for so long before I move on to the next location. And I think a lot of that is, so now we're going to have to go a little bit deep, right? Let's do it. That's why I said it, child. Let's go. (laughs) 
We want to make sure you'll never miss a show, so be sure to swing by our website at chroniclesabroad.com where you can subscribe via iTunes, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. While you're at it, we'll appreciate a rating on iTunes, or if you simply tell a friend or five about the show, that will help us out big time. We would love to have you join our growing Facebook community. Yes, y'all. We finally opened up our group called Chronicles Abroad Collective. This is the name of the group. This is where we share tips, resources, and encouragement. If you love the episodes, then you'll love the community even more. Simply click the join button. Can't wait to see you guys there. So back in Thailand, Francis and I, when we started Chronicles Abroad, our season one, we interviewed a, a Black gentleman by the name of Harry. Harry was a shaman, or Harry is a shaman, that was, is a shaman in Thailand. And um, we had him on the show through a referral of somebody who was an oracle. She has long passed over, passed on. So Francis ended up seeking his services and came back and was like, yo, yeah, legit, right? So I was like, okay, cool. I'll go and have a session. So I had a session with them. And before I left Thailand, I had like three or four sessions by that time. And during my sessions with him, I was told that I am new, young. I'm still young. I'm like 400 years old in the sense of my my spirit, my soul has been around this earth for about 400 years. In those years of my, my soul being, you know, in different places, I moved around a lot that villagers would wait for me to come into their village and pretty much like touch them and tell them it was okay to move on to the next step. You get what I'm saying? A birth and different things like that. I wish I would have recorded it because I can't say it verbatim, but I moved about to different countries, different cities, different places, and I left my mark. That's just in a spiritual sense. In a spiritual sense. So I feel like in this particular time and in this body, that's exactly what I'm doing. You know what I'm saying? I left my mark in many places that I've stepped foot in. You know what I mean? Whatever that mark was. And I don't know when that is supposed to end, but I don't think it is. I am searching and seeking for a home base because what people don't get from me is the fact that I cry every time I got to pack up and go to a new country. It's a lot. You know, my anxiety hits on 10, if not 20. I am flooded with kind of like a loss, a sense of I'm homeless, you know, because I'm packing up my whole entire life in these suitcases, trying to now move on and acclimate to a new place. So I'm grieving the place that I'm leaving behind. However, I'm excited about the possibilities of what's yet to come. You know what I mean? So and even when I like, get to that. So not to interrupt, but then people would say, then why leave? It's honestly, it's something that is, it, it's almost like embedded inside of me. It's weird. I get this like, it's not time weird. to go. It's it. <laughs> not weird. I understand it and I feel it myself. Go ahead. Yeah. It's this overwhelming, even when I left the States, like it was this overwhelming urge, like this force that was like pulling at me, like, come on, come on. You know, you ever had a, you ever see those um, things of a kid just pulling a parent? Like, come on, come on, come on. Yeah, yeah. That's the energy that was pulling me. I didn't know where I was going, what I was doing. I didn't have a night. I didn't have a clue. Three and a half years ago when I left, I had no clue what I was doing, but I just knew I had to do something. 
And it was almost like it would it would have literally it was what's that called when you're just being succumb like overcome by this energy that was like you got to go oh, like you're possessed now. by it almost yeah exactly it, yes and I couldn't understand where it was coming from so it happens to me even I love Chiang Mai I absolutely love Chiang Mai I didn't want to leave but it was my time was up I felt like it was time to go and I just knew that I would be back you know but I took that for granted as well because none of us would have thought that this would, pandemic would have happened so. So even though I left with all intentions on going back, I haven't been back in almost a year and a half. And that hurts my heart because I, I really thought I was only going to leave temporarily. And a year and a half seems like forever to me. But so you weren't supposed to leave because you, had, you weren't supposed to leave because you had to build all this community, chat. And that's what I was just about to say is like I had all intentions on leaving Mexico in March until COVID happened. And, you know, it cut my time. I wouldn't have created the cookbook. I wouldn't have, you know, really started with Up in the Air Life and, and curating these ex- beautiful luxury experiences. I wouldn't have started on my coaching program. I wouldn't have created Black Sid and created Black and Tulum. None of this stuff would have happened had I left. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I'm at this point in my life where I don't use the term stuck. I don't use the terms like I was forced to. No, the universe had something else in store for me. And now that Black and Tulum has grown to what it is, I could actually leave Tulum and it will still run. Yeah. It was still it would still be a powerhouse. It would still be a force to be reckoned with because of the people that I entrusted to my help moderate it and because of the amount of people in the group that just really do appreciate the group itself. Yeah. And they feed the group. I mean, my heart is full. So yeah. I feel like I left my mark. I yeah. honestly feel like my time is up in Tulum. And I'm just it's just about when when and where, child. But I did want to highlight a few things. So I, I always feel like whenever people are faced with like things that may not go exactly the way that they planned it going, or maybe they got a rejection, or maybe whatever it was didn't work out. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we find ourselves fixated on, damn, you know, why didn't I get this? Why didn't this happen? Da da da. What I've come to realize over the last few years is that when you look back, you're like, okay, you really have to do that reflection. Mm-hmm. This is why I never get upset when things don't really work out because. In my mind, the universe is doing something that's a much bigger play that is totally out of my hands and it's going to lead me to where I'm supposed to be each and every time. Can I share a story about that? Yeah. Oh my God. I I didn't even tell you this, Francis, yet. So you don't even know. We went to Isla Mujeres. I um, helped coordinate a trip to Isla Mujeres and I was supposed to do it with about eight people. And I invited 10 because I know that people would drop off. And it went to seven people and then it went to four and then it went to three. They went back up to five and then, you know, you see what I'm saying? Because this is how people roll, right? So all of this coordination was driving me crazy because people were like, yeah, oh, sorry, I can't. Or, okay, you know, then dropping out. And um, we were going to to Isla Mujeres, we went to Isla Mujeres to go swimming with the whale shark. So we were making reservations and adding the people to our reservation. So having to continuously change the reservation was like frustrating, right? So make a long story short, we ended up with five. Last minute, somebody wanted to jump in. Day up, literally. And I was like, I can't do this. I was like stressed. I was like, I don't want to hear the information. I'm not coordinating no more. Let's just go to Isla. I'm not doing this, right? People in my inbox, hey girl, you still going? You got time? You got room? I'm not answering nothing. 
I was over it. So we get the five of us get to Isla Mujeres, right? And when I say I coordinated the whole thing, I'm talking about the ferry tickets. The you know we did the whale shark thing, the hotels, everything was already coordinated. All you had to do was send your money, right, and show the fuck up. That's it. We get to Isla Mujeres. We're having a good time. The next day was our whale shark day. So we get to the boat. Three other guys were coming on the boat with us because the boat holds eight people total. We're on the boat with three other strangers and the waters were kind of rocky. Not going to lie. The waters, the waves were a little high. I would have freaked out, child. We all were holding on (laughs) to their life in the boat. I'm not going to lie. But we were were all committed because we were like, we paid our money. We're going to go see these whale sharks, right? One of the guys on the boat, oh my God, this is dangerous. Get me up out of here. Turn this boat around. We are 45 minutes out. Into the middle of the goddamn Caribbean Sea. And he was talking about turning this boat around. I was like, dude, if you don't shut up, are you okay? Like, are you gonna die? You good? You about to vomit? What do you need? Because we're gonna stay on this boat. He was like, no, I need to go right now, turn this boat around. I was like, well, unless you're paying for us because we spent our money, you're staying on this boat, right? Anybody who knows me know I'm very yeah, much a little, little, you're a little firecracker. I'm a firecracker. <laughs> he was like, fine, money ain't an object to me. I don't care. I will pay this whole boat out. I just want to get back to the dock. I was like, y'all heard this, right? <laughs> I was like, this is how much you'll be paying me because this is how much we spent, right? He said, fine, no problem. So I told the captain, turn this goddamn boat around. The captain turned the boat around and we're heading back to the island of Isla Mujeres, right? Before we even, he was like, we're only 10 minutes away from the whale sharks, literally. But the guy was freaking out. We get to the dock. And so I was like, Zell, please, right? So he was like, well, I got PayPal, no problem. That man PayPal me our money back. Goddamn. Right? But peep this. It was only like 1130 in the morning by this time. So you went so back out. I turned to the captain. <laughs> it was like... <laughs> so let's negotiate a deal. Let's do this. By the time I was done, I had negotiated two days on a private boat for the five of us. We went snorkeling to the underground museum. We had fresh conch ceviche made for us on the boat. We had snacks and everything. He took us out to the open waters. We were able to relax on the beach. The next morning, he picked us up at our hotel because our hotel had a dock, okay? So we were sitting on the dock, waiting, the boat pulls up. It was crazy. It's like waiting for your taxi, right? But your boat pulls up. Our boat pulls up. The waters were calm. The waters were beautiful. We went out to see the whale sharks. There was only one other boat out there with us that early in the morning. We got to swim with these beautiful, massive creatures, right, in the water. So we all got a chance to get out there and snorkel with the manta rays and the whale sharks and the barracudas and all of this stuff, right? We come out of the water and we're like, what the freak? There was like 25 boats. And we're like, where did they all come from? (laughs) Just in time. Just in time. So the captain's like, okay, how y'all good? We all went out at least three times snorkeling. Like we all took turns kind of like, you know, you know, two at a time just to kind of, you want to give them their space as well. You don't want to crowd them. Well, once we started seeing all the boats and we started seeing that the whale sharks were trying to like get the hell out of our, you know, just Mm -hmm. bolted. They were like, forget all this. This Right. Mm -hmm. And we were like, oh, we're not getting back in the water with them right now. They seem agitated. (laughs) We're good. So he took us out to the beach. The beach, we were like one of three boats on the beach. Oh, my gosh. Got some more ceviche made for us on the, you know, we got, we played our playlist and we on the boat doing the the electric. I saw you guys were twerking. (laughs) 
All of it. Okay. It was the best time ever. But my point of saying that was when we were on the boat that first day and the waters were choppy and shit wasn't, didn't look like it was going to be going right. And this guy turned us around. It was actually the the biggest blessing Mm -hmm. because for the same price that we paid initially to go out, was the same price we got a two for one. And we got to see more things. We got to go out on the reefs and see these beautiful, like color fish and all of this stuff. We got to do so much more with his money than we did with our own. (laughs) (laughs) And we just all went with the flow. Yeah. And it was amazing. Yeah. It was amazing. That sounds beautiful. I mean, I love that example. It's a perfect example uh, to illustrate what I was trying to say, because we often find ourselves resisting and fighting and really wanting to control every aspect of something when we're really not meant to do that. You just t- like just taking a step back and say, you know what, bump this. Look what just happened. I'm telling you the best thing that you can do is to let go and let God, whether you're religious or not, let go and let something. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but no, for real, because I feel like yeah. when you just surrender, like just things just like just flow and move. Just happen. Because exactly. when you have that resistance, what you do is just blocking everything from coming for you. Exactly. Oh, man. That's a great story. Thank you. you know I this? appreciate it. And it's, it's real life, you know? Mm-hmm. So yeah, Francis said it right. Let go, let go and let it be, you yeah. know, just let go and let it be. It may look dire in that particular moment, but there was a reason why it didn't happen. Yeah. Just like when people have events and they're just like trying to get everybody there, trying to get everybody there. That's not me. The people that are there are the people that are supposed to be there. I don't care if it's two or if it's 22 or 200. Those people are the people that are supposed to be there. I'm not going to pull you off the street and bring you there. I'm not going to... I'm not about vanity metrics. I'm about quality over quantity. Yeah. I'm not trying to force things. Trying to force. I'm not going to force the hand. So Mm. yeah, definitely. You got to just let go. And every time that I've let go and let it be, I've embarked on some of the most amazing adventures and have met some of the most amazing people. Just, just random. Yeah. I say by chance, but But it's not, you know, it's not by chance. I don't believe in coincidences. Don't believe in coincidences, child. So as we wrap things up, you know, what kind of message would you like to leave with the audience? I mean, you've really lived a full life, even fuller life, I would say, this past year. I was going to say, what have you lived? (laughs) (laughs) No, I lived. (laughs) What I meant, what I'm saying is essentially like all the decisions that you've made thus far has really let you step into the full embodiment of yourself. Mm -hmm. And it takes uh, a certain perspective. It takes a certain mindset. It takes a certain trust to get there. So I'm curious, you know, what message would you have for those folks who are really kind of getting in their own way? Mm. So it's time to dive deep and look into the holistic perspective of travel. We believe traveling is an investment in you. So our mission is to inspire you to book that flight, check that item off your bucket list and go on that adventure. And our hope is to ignite connections all over the world. Well, (laughs) I just got to say this up front because, you know, I'm very transparent about shit. I still get in my own way. What I tell you, just know that I'm still dealing and battling with those same situations and beliefs. You create your own reality. 
Okay. The way you view things, the way you speak about things, your words are powerful and you have the power in you to be and become whoever you choose to want to be and become. Right. And I had to learn that. I've embraced it at this point and I understand it a lot better. It's very hard sometimes to explain to somebody how abundant and how powerful and how prosperous they really are when all they're thinking about is all the things they don't have. Does that make sense? But you have to learn how to appreciate with full gratitude and be thankful and grateful for the things that you do have and understand that the things that you don't have are either A, not meant for you, or B, it's just not your time. You get what I mean? Be patient with yourself. Yeah, I love it. Give yourself some grace. Give yourself some grace, but at the same time, you want to be able to start shifting your mindset. If you shift your mindset, people always go, oh, I wish I could stop. Stop wishing. Start doing. You can. You're the one that's choosing not to. And it doesn't have to look like the way I do it. And that's another thing. Don't have linear thinking. It doesn't have to look a certain way. It doesn't have to be permanent. It doesn't have to be to Tulum. It doesn't have to be to, you know, whatever. It can look however you want it to look. If you can visualize it, you can manifest it in your true reality. That's it. I love it. Nothing more to say here, guys. Go out there, stop watching us, and go create something, child. <laughs> I said that with a lot of love. <laughs> All right, guys, until next time. Peace. Peace. Thank you for tuning in to Chronicles Abroad. Please support us by sharing this podcast through your social media platforms. Head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. Follow us on Instagram and hit that like button at chronicles underscore abroad. Find us online at our website, chroniclesabroad.com for tips, resources, and ways we can collaborate. So don't forget to join us next week for another episode. Until then, beautiful people, thanks for listening. Music by Stephanie James and Almighty K-Rock, produced by Adam Marcus.